Right now at Kohl's, it's the last-minute gift sale. Take an extra 20% off and save on kitchen must-haves. Get 25% off toys and get 20% off fragrance gift sets. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, fast and free store pickup. Still not sure what to get? Our gift cards are always a great idea. Give with all your heart. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. 20% offer valid December 21st through December 24th with promo code RECEIVE20. Offers and coupons do not apply to toys and beauty. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. We have liftoff on the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. I'm Price Atkinson and joined this week by the godfather himself, Joe Calabrese, one of the co-founders along with Brian Anderson of the 12th In Sports Network. So gracing the, the godfather's airwaves is maybe a good way to put it, Joe. Joe, welcome in. It's been a, it's been a few weeks. I know um, since we, you and I last at least talked on the podcast, boy, to say we've had a lot going on, uh, not just in the sport, but in life, in the world, uh, would be a vast understatement. But the biggest thing is, how are you guys in upstate New York, and, and how's your family? Well, Price, uh, thanks so much. You know, uh, our family's doing pretty well. How about yours? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um you know, we kind of quarantined in there. Um, you know, we went out on, on Saturday, went for a bike ride um, on a uh-huh. you know, big, long trail that we had here. But really, that's kind of the only thing we've done uh, in pretty much the last, you know, 10 days, almost two weeks. Um, but, you know, it's kids are, you know, son woke up sick on, on Sunday morning with a fever, finally got through it yesterday, which was Wednesday. You and I are recording here on on Thursday afternoon, March the 26th. And, you know, we had a scare on Sunday when he woke up with a fever. And then we get a, a note from the daycare saying that they thought they had a kid uh, that had tested positive or might test positive uh, for the coronavirus. Right. And when we got that email uh, mid-afternoon Sunday, we immediately went into full-blown lockdown mode with mask and quarantining him in, his, in in a room, our bedroom, like literally cleaning every nook and cranny of the house. And, you know, we since find out the kid didn't test positive and that my son, uh, we thought it was strep. It was just kind of a regular virus. But, you know, that kind of put a little jolt and scare into it. And that's not the kind of scare that, that some people have had. They've had a lot worse. Um, you know, we'll talk about that. But, you know, life life has changed right now uh, for us and pretty much for everybody. I, I know like you all uh, there in, in up in Rochester. Yeah, you know, I'm happy to hear everything's going well with your family. I guess here in, in Rochester, New York, a lot of people don't know their geography in New York very well, but Rochester's in the western part of New what? York State, so we're not <laughs> – Nearly, not near the epicenter in New York City, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, we have about 120 positive cases in our county, which is, um, you know, growing every day. And, you know, certainly that's a concern. But, you know, here where we're living, it's, uh, you know, quarantine, you know, self-quarantine sort of status here. We're just trying to keep ourselves from uh, going anywhere unless we, unless we absolutely have to. And uh, I think that's uh, generally the right thing to do right now. So, um, we're just trying to. Do, I'm doing a little work from home, which is uh, which is always good. And it was my daughter Lorelai's birthday today, so um, we're gonna have a little celebration, a little later here with the family. Um, but uh, otherwise, we're doing pretty well, Price. Yep. Happy birthday to Lorelai. Her uh, what is it? Uh, sweet. No, I'm gonna get it wrong. Thirteen. 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 Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Thirteen. Teenager. Not sweet. I got. I got. Yeah, I got three of them now in the house, three teenagers in the house. So God bless me. Game-changing birthday in the Calabrese house. So congratulations to uh, – happy birthday to Lorelai, and, you know, congratulations on successfully raising three awesome teens. Um, you know, as uh, I, I want to say something before we get going, and, and, and you said it right there, is, you know, the, the whole stay-at-home thing. Uh, it, look, it, it's reality. Uh, it works. Um, you know, I know people have different takes on what's going on right now. You know, I, I get an email, uh, a text from a friend just a little bit ago about, 
you know, we need to stop fear mongering and stop the hysteria. And I just kind of stopped in my tracks and said, you got to be kidding me. But, you know, I, I think it's showing and it has shown in the past that the social distancing and the staying home, not going out unless you utterly have to, to, you know, for essential services, it works. And, you know, so the healthcare system is, is not absolutely overwhelmed. And obviously, people in New York City could could stay home and, and self-quarantine where not a person walked out the door. And I think you'd probably still have a similar situation that is going on right now just with how rapid it spread and just how many people you have there, how close everybody is, mass transit, many other things. But, you know, I hope everybody is doing the right thing. Um, you know, a lot of people, you hear the news all the time. It's hard to turn it off, but... You know, as depressing and as hard, as dark as things might be right now, you know, we are, we're going to get through this. It may take some more time. Uh, I think it's going to take a lot more time. Uh, but we're going to get on the other side of this. But, you know, hopefully everybody just, you know, continues to, to do the right thing, stay at home unless you have to. And, you know, to the flattening the curve is a legit thing. And, you know, I say this because uh, mostly – because of our, our healthcare providers, you know, the people that are so many of those that are on the front lines, um, you know, taking care of those that are sick, but not even just those that are sick, Joe, those, those people that are in, in a lot of ways risk their life for us, the ones like us that are sheltering in place or staying at home, you know, and those people like, uh, you know, that might be working at a Panera Bread or a grocery store or a Walgreens, a CVS, people that are helping keeping some of these essential services. And you can say, well, Panera is not essential services. Okay, I get that. But, you know, the, the, the places like the grocery stores, the gas stations, you know, kind of the, the supply chain. The guy lives across the street from me, he drives a truck, and he told me over the weekend, and I said, how are things going? Are they shutting you down? He's like, heck no, they're ramping us up. And he said, I carried a whole huge load of toilet paper up to North Carolina. Uh, just the other day. So, you know, those are the people that I think about so much, not only those that are sick or that are having health troubles right now, but but so many of the first responders, our health care providers, and, and those that are, you know, working in the supply chain, you know, day to day right now, Joe. Yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of different things there. But um, one, population density seems to be a big deal. So keeping yourself distant from people is is a big deal. And for anybody who's sort of thinking, you know, this, this isn't happening, you know, in my community yet, or um, it's, it, it, seems pretty slow. It's, it, let me tell you, it's uh, a call from the future here. In a couple of weeks when you're, when you have no uh, toilet paper in your grocery store and, and you're, and you're scrambling to make sure that you have all the prescriptions that you need, you mm-hmm. know, de- deal with those things now. I yep. mean, don't hoard, but you know, be smart uh, about what you got to do. Um, you know, just this call from the future, uh, letting <laughs> you know, um, in, in, in our community, in our society, if we had unlimited resources, you know, and we had all the ventilators we needed and all the different types of treatments we could deal with so that nobody had to die. Sure. You could go out and be irresponsible and go to spring break and all this nonsense, but really it's about being responsible to other people. Uh, right now, we don't have enough ventilators. We don't have enough uh, people in the field that can really deal with this. I mean, we're recruiting people who ret- retired for crying out loud to come back into the medical field um, just to just to deal with this crisis. And so let's let's all kind of stick together, uh, do the smart things, and uh, we'll get through it. I know yeah. we will. Yeah, we definitely will. And you know, we're going to move on from this, but it, there's almost no way to completely avoid you know, the here and now and what is going on, you know, not just here at home, but across the world. But we're going to try and divert away from some of it because while the curling season has ended, you and I haven't really got to chat, uh, you know, you and I together about, you know, the way things have have wrapped up uh, prematurely, but also, you know, some things that have kind of taken place that has been really interesting, wild and, you know, um, I, I don't want to say it's not enlightening, but just uh, the creativity has been awesome to watch and, you know, things that have gone yeah. on since, you know, really in the last, I guess, two full weeks. But, you know, uh, I talked with uh, Aaron Johnson last week. You heard the interview as, as his team, Team Colorado, mm-hmm. won U.S. Club Nationals. And, you know, we since obviously found out early last week that there was a player that had, had tested positive uh, for coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, and then, you know, reports are out there. Um, and we'll, and by the way, let me also set this up. Jeff Plush is our guest. Um, you know, important to note that the brand new USCA uh, CEO, Jeff Plush, is going to join us in the next segment. And so I say that uh, because I'm going to ask him about this. But, you know, the, the club nationals, they, they, they decide to, to continue on and, and finish out in the midst of while everything was going on. We've since learned, and it's it's been bantered about on social media, referred to, but upwards of possibly half the players that were involved in club nationals 
have either shown symptoms or have tested positive, Joe, uh, for COVID-19. And, you know, one of those was, was Sarah Schuster, who, who came out pretty publicly uh, on her Facebook page. And, you know, since local news stories have kind of documented everything that her and, you know, the Schusters have gone through, um, want to send a shout out to them. We're thinking about them, talked to them yesterday, and it sounds like they're doing really well. But, um, I mean, this is, this, this is really where it's hitting our curling family, and that hit one of our USCA sanctions events right there in the face. Yeah, I mean, what a tough call they had, too. I mean, they're right in the middle of the round robin, and they're trying to decide whether or not it makes sense to continue going uh, and finishing it up, and they make the decision to do that. Um, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, those folks had already interacted with each other in such a way that this may have not changed much of anything. But, you know, I guess every time you go out there, you were putting yourself at greater and greater risk. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a really tough call once you're already there and you've, and you've put in the expense. I mean, I'm sure there was, I, I don't want to say there was pressure from players, but I'm sure that they were feeling like, Hey, we're here, let's yeah. play. Can players want to play? They don't want to, they don't want to sit. And so, um, really tough call. And I, I think that almost anybody probably would have made a very similar call at the time. I think now in, in hindsight, it's real easy. You go back and you say, geez, you know, this was, I don't want to call it dangerous, but you know, it was the kind of thing where, um, it could have been predicted uh, had we known what we know now. And um, I, it's, I think it's unfortunate um, that, that as many players have sort of come down with some symptoms. Hopefully um, no one's testing positive and, and nobody uh, has any kind of long-lasting uh, symptoms or, or effects. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, our, you know, again, our thoughts and prayers with everybody, whether you've been affected directly, indirectly, um, I mean, we've all been affected indirectly, uh, 100%, uh, whether it's, you know, school closings, you know, our, our favorite movie theater that's not going to be open for any <laughs> predetermined amount of time. But, you know, the things, you know, people that have lost jobs, you know, income has been affected, uh, you know, can't maybe maybe get the medicines that you I mean, there's just so, so many ways that people have been affected indirectly. But, you know, yeah, it's, um, you know, we're all in this together and it, it is a tough thing. But, you know, one thing that I think has been really wild, interesting to see is the way that you know that you know I've talked about it with um, with the company I was helping out with yesterday, you know, and since a community it is so important right now, you know, having a community of people and you see it on and when I say community, I'm talking digital community because so many people are zooming and you know Google Hangouts, skyping, you know, just just to see each other, you know, uh, voice uh, video calls, group video calls, whether it be a, a workout or you know uh, a concert from you know Coldplay, Chris Martin doing a live free concert on Instagram stories. You know, it's it's been amazing to watch the sense of community that's that's taken place and, and developed uh, and even strengthened. You know, the, the curling community has always been very strong, especially here in the U.S. Um, when it comes to a, a digital community. But but it, some of the things that we've kind of seen, uh, you know, that have brought people even closer together, the, the creativity, Joe, in the last few weeks, that has been really awesome to see. And that's something that we all do need in some shape or form right now. Yeah, I mean, whether it's uh, John Cullen has uh, had some videos of, of previous uh, Briar, I think it's Scotty's games, and had some commentators kind of go back and look at those games, and or uh, Jerry's uh, virtual bond spiel that he had last weekend, um, the virtual broomstack, and I think Peach Tree set up this uh, last week, or even the the Facebook stuff that the House of Hearts participants was were putting out last week, sort of the, the pictures and videos from previous events. It, it just goes to show you how close that community is and how much we miss each other when we can't be together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree. And, you know, some of the, uh, you know, like the virtual broom stacking that I think the Columbus curling club, um, you know, put together, you know, that some players got involved with and, and had a lot of strong participation, you know, the, you know, the virtual bond spiel, let's play curling, uh, you know, that Jerry Gertz put together through curling zone that, you know, they did a bond spiel and, you know, congrats to the sheriff, Matt Dunstone, on winning that one. I know Matt Hamilton played in it. Um, I, I think Corey Dropkin may have played in it. I, I So much of stuff was going on here at home with trying to teach and work, and you know, I, I wasn't able to really keep up with the, any day-to-day -day games or watch any of it. But, you know, home workouts, the way athletes are, are kind of peeling back the layers and, and showing how they're keeping busy and, and training at home, you know, just the many, the myriad of different ways – um, that people have connected, it, it has been really cool. And I, I know that there's a lot of people that are 
they're trying new things. And, you know, when content is not, you know, available at our fingertips, and when I say content, I'm talking about actual games and things that we can talk about. You know, game, you know things are on television, bond spiels taking place, whether it be a Grand Slam event, a world championship, or something at a local club. You know, it's I've been amazed at watching the creativity of, of people coming together, and it's only going to continue. We have a lot of time on our hands, right? I mean, everybody is at home, uh, whether you got kids or not. Everybody's on their phones, on their laptops. Uh, they're connecting in some way, shape, or form, and that's what the American spirit is just so much about is creative ingenuity, Joe. Yeah, you know, and even, you know, if you're you're thinking about oh, how do I prepare for next year now, and it's a lot of people are already thinking about next year, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, I was looking in somebody, I think it was Landsteiner, uh, suggested a book called Mind Gym, mm-hmm. uh, An Athlete's Guide to Inner Excellence by Gary Mack. And so I'm going to be checking that out in the off season. I'm looking forward to it. I just got it on Amazon and it was delivered today. So I'm looking forward to, to reading that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a, you know, a little bit more here in the next segment about some other things kind of moving forward, local clubs that affect on next season, affect on this season. But, you know, as team changes are, are starting to percolate, Joe, uh, you hadn't had a chance to wait on this. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts, but uh, we find out what two weeks ago, just almost two weeks ago, um, USCA, obviously, the way this typically works with a high-performance program is is the team changes are usually collectively announced by the US, USCA later in the spring. Um, you know, obviously, with new leadership and looking for a, a high-performance director, of which Jeff, uh, Jeff Plush here in the next segment, uh, the new CEO of USA Curling, talks about that they've, they've changed the name of that job. Um, you know, we find out just, what, less than two weeks ago, barely, that Jamie Sinclair is um, – is no longer uh, with Team Sinclair. Uh, that it will be Vicky Persinger, at least what we think will be Vicky Persinger, Corey Christensen, uh, and then Sarah and Taylor Anderson moving forward. So I guess just short your reaction to uh, to the news about Jamie. Boy, this doesn't happen very often, where uh, it winds up that the uh, the team sort of jettisons their skip, and uh, the skip is you know had been the three time defending U.S. national champion up until that point. Yeah. Um, up until this past year, I mean, that's just not something that happens every day. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not super surprised that the team is not the same five going into next year mm-hmm. as they were this past year. Um, when you have somebody of Sarah Anderson's um, skill level, it, it sort of surprised me that they had her um, sort of riding the bench and not developing her in some particular form or fashion yep. uh, on the ice. And so it wouldn't have surprised me if, if the Anderson sisters had um, found another, you know, two players and formed another team, but yep. it sounds like they went in a completely different direction. And, you know, who knows what this, the end, if the end goal is going to, uh, and end result of this is going to be Corey skipping this team. Yep. Um, but they actually have options there. And I think that it'll be a very strong happens with Jamie. Um, I don't think she goes back to Ontario. I think that they do wind up with a third team, uh, the third high performance team, didn't have such great results this past year on the women's side. And so it wouldn't surprise me if they reformulated that team with Jamie. It's the head of that team um, in some way or fashion. And then that might actually be good for USA Curling to mm-hmm. have three strong teams. So um, I, I'm sure Jamie's disappointed uh, that it turned out the way that it did. Um, and maybe she doesn't have um, maybe the strongest team she could possibly have going into um you know, Olympic trials type situation, but I'm sure that if um, they put together a good team behind her, she'll be right there and right where, need, where she needs to be. You know, my immediate thoughts, and when I was talking with Jerry last week, you know, are, <laughs> you got Alex Carlson uh, that's sitting out there uh, that uh, obviously is back playing mixed doubles. Um, Monica Walker's sitting out there, I'm, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. You, you know, you bring back the band looking for just a fourth, and Whoa, you're in business all of a sudden. But I, I, I'm with you. I, I think the more realistic option is is probably taking maybe a, a couple players from maybe Madison Bears team. Maybe it's uh, I, I don't know which ones it would be, but you take maybe uh, Jamie, one or two of them, uh, and then maybe somebody that might be looking to get back in. Uh, and then I got maybe I got it's a, a junior crazy that, idea. Mm-hmm. I got a crazy idea for you. Okay. Who was the fifth on Peterson's team going to Worlds? That was that was, was Allison Pottinger. It wasn't was it? it was Allison Pottinger. Yes. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I had no idea she had an interest in, in playing high-level curling again, and um, who knows? Maybe she does. I don't know. Well, it, it'd be worth a call. 
Well, and that'd be my. I mean, think about somebody who has that kind of experience. Well, I think there was a there was a strategic reason for that, in in really one strategic reason only, and that's because you needed another skip. You know, you needed somebody that could mm-hmm. come in if something happened that could skip the team, and you know, because the mm-hmm. the player on that team, really the the only skip on that team is is the one that's in that role, right, Tabitha Peterson. So. That's why they it wasn't a front end player that could, that might be versatile to be able to play you know one you know front end or slide down at third if you needed them. That's exactly why they picked um, Allison Pottinger and, and I talked with Natalie Nicholson about that very thing. But that begs the question: Is there maybe more than that we know? Is it does she really want to come back in some kind of uh, you know full time competitive role? Who knows? I mean, we'd have to ask her, but. You know, I, I think that yeah. that was not part of the equation, at least to my understanding, uh, when she was picked to be their fifth at Worlds. But that's just what I know. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess I'm like I said, I'm speculating, but sure. I, it's one of these things where we've lost a, quite a number of really good women's curlers over the last few years, mm-hmm. um, just due to changes in what's gone on in the high performance program. Um, maybe there's some folks that have an inkling to come back. I don't know if that's what's going on with Allison or not. Probably not. Um, but you never know. And it's like I said, I think it's worth a call. Especially, and if I'm Jamie, I'm calling a few of these people and say, hey, what's your interest level? Um, you know, Jamie may still throw the fourth stones, but maybe Allison skips. I'm just, like I said, I'm totally speculating. But this is something I'm thinking about. Would you call Deb McCormick? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are these are these are players who have world championship experience. I mean, like this is, I, I, in my mind, it, it's you have options. You can go the junior route and try to develop somebody. But if I'm Jamie, I'm thinking I got two years here, and my the best chance I had sort of just left me behind. Yeah, I need to think about something else that's going to get me where I need to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thought. And the only reason why I brought up Deb is, and I know it was, I think, more tongue-in-cheek and in jest, but, you know, in responding to Jamie's uh, social media post about, you know, the changes, she wrote back, maybe I need to make a comeback, ha-ha-ha. And so I was like, hmm, you know, maybe not ha-ha-ha. That would be interesting. Yeah. So that's the only reason why I brought up Deb's name. But, you know, I know she's doing, yeah. uh, you know, great work and really loving what she's doing with Gold Line, you know, the partnership with, with Aaron and, you know, the Gold Line team and, and working primarily as, as the rep here in the U.S. So... Uh, but yeah, it's it really is going to be interesting to see. I, I, we're, I don't I don't know. I'm sure we'll get some changes to some degree of what of which we don't know on the men's side. Um, time will tell. We certainly have got a lot of ways, a lot of time until we get there. Uh, maybe not. Maybe this is accelerated a little bit sooner than what is the norm. But until that um, you know that new person that's going to take over oversee you know, the, what's, we, we know now is the high performance, you know, side of things. Um, we're not going to get any answers. So until that person's hired, yeah, we won't all know. Right. All right, Joe, let's go ahead and pivot. Let's get to our guest. Jeff Plush, the, uh, the brand new CEO of USA Curling uh, is going to join us. Had a great conversation with him. Uh, what he said and shared with, you know, both uh, teams that were scheduled to play at the world championship, how the USCA is handling these uncertain and, troubled I don't want to call them rocky times but and I hate to even use some of the words I feel like that have just been used over and over but unprecedented would be one of them uh, but just so many of the different unknowns right now that nobody knows right now and so I try and get some answers and just feel Jeff out on you know what his first almost two months on the job has been like Joe so we'll have that uh, the interview with Jeff plus the new CEO with USA curling next then the Godfather himself will be back with me in the second or the I guess what would be the final segment when we come back here on the Extraction Podcast with the 12 Main Sports Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. All right, now joined by royalty here on the Extra Trend Podcast the, with the 12th in Sports Network, the USA Curling's new CEO, 
Jeff Plush had a great uh, week with Jeff at uh, U.S. Nationals in, in Cheney and Spokane last month, which with everything that we're going through, Jeff, feels like it was eons ago. I'm sure maybe for you it feels like it was yesterday because when your feet are right there at the fire, your first day, you're literally in the pressure cooker of, of Nationals. It, it's a feeling that probably doesn't go away. But, look, uh, the biggest thing is welcome in here to the Extra Extra End for the first time, Jeff. Yeah, no, thank you, Price, and uh, yeah, certainly got got thrown right in, and it was um, learned a lot. It was fantastic, met a lot of people, so I enjoyed the experience in Spokane, and and frankly, with everything that's going on now in the world, I, I wish we were talking about yeah. championships and competition and watching our athletes uh, apply their trade. So right now, we're spending too much time watching watching the news and getting uh, more reports that seem more and more daunting. I won't ask what the first month on the job has been like because uh, to call it abnormal, I'm sure wouldn't even begin to scrape the surface with, you know, your first week obviously at nationals and then clearly the crisis that uh, not just the nation, the world is is undergoing and, and dealing with at every single turn, every hour, every minute, every second of the day, you know, in terms of the COVID-19 and, and everything going on, what your top priority in terms of the USCA, the office, the athletes and coaches, you know, what is at the heart of everything that you're trying to do and, and kind of put your arms around as this thing just unfolds daily? Yeah, it's all around safety, um, keeping people healthy, mm-hmm. um, hoping, hoping that they are healthy and, and then making them uh, stay so. You know, we've our office is shut down. We're all working remotely. Um, that was our decision to make, but but now Wisconsin's come out and, and done it for us anyway. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's the scariest part about this whole thing is it's literally changing every day. So you, yeah. you have a plan, you try and be thoughtful, you try and communicate that. And, and it uh, takes another step um, forward, not in a great direction the next day. So it's, it's um, we just all have to be nimble and positive and, and have confidence that we're going to, going to get through it and we're doing the right things um and and what i think i've tried to impress upon my staff and and friends and is this is going to be more closely to the new normal i think that's the reality is that i don't think it's like oh we get through this in three weeks we go back to the way it was i think you have to be much more cognizant of how we um how we conduct our events and and uh, championships in a more sanitary environment just everyone just sports related you, you pull you know in big sports you pull seventy thousand people into a building yep. um i think we always probably intuitively knew that there was the chance for uh for spreading of something but now we're seeing it unfold so it's a little scary yeah absolutely it's a scary time everywhere and you know with sports you know this this under this kind of crisis situation you know we've always had sports to kind of take us away from it to give us a little bit of a reprieve from the you know whether it be a personal crisis uh, a, a national tragedy like a 911 or but in this case this is something so different you know we don't even have that escape uh, whether it be curling basketball football soccer it doesn't matter it's all been ripped away in this this new normal is that we're talking about here. It's it's just uncharted territory, you know. I know for somebody like yourself, your staff, and all the athletes and coaches, and you know what when they come to you with questions, I mean, what are you hearing the most of? What are the kind of questions you get as the, as the leadership and the head of the USCA? Well, I think at the in the early days, it was it was a lot of the ambiguity around worlds. So from yeah. our 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 competing teams um, that yep. were excited to go to Glasgow or go to um, Prince George. Um, and now it's, when are they going to be rescheduled? Or are they going to be rescheduled? Um, and the reality is the ambiguity is, is necessary. WCF doesn't know. Yep. Um, IOC doesn't know what they're doing in July. You know, I think if we're reading the tea leaves, it's starting to go a certain direction. I think the reality is it's starting to set in that people realize that there's just no way to reschedule something right now because there's no end in sight. Yep. Um, and so for our athletes, um, certainly at the, at the national team level, but also down to the juniors and stuff, we're just, we're just telling them do what you can do and control what you can control right now. That's being purposeful, being uh, thoughtful on how you can do home workouts, home uh, mental um, training is really important. Trying to be as positive as you can. No one did anything wrong here. Right? It's the reality of what's unfolded um, from a virus point of view is things we can't 
we can't do anything about. We just have to deal with it. Yeah. And I think the best way to deal with it is through through positivity and um and then listening to the health authorities. I think that's the biggest thing. I guess a frustration of mine, but it's just reality is we're not we're not in control of the situation. So we're just yeah. trying to consume all the information we can and and be as thoughtful and helpful as we can. Yeah, you know, as we uh, as we continue with Jet Plus, the USCA uh, new CEO. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, before we started recording Club Nationals, and you guys just it, the USCA were transparent 100% as you found out a there was a positive COVID 19 test uh, by an athlete competing. Um, you put it out there immediately. I'm not going to ask you about. You know, do you wish you had done something different, like not, you know, basically stopping the event in its tracks? Because with everything that was happening and unfolding, it was so rapid, so fluid. I've never seen things just move that quickly the way you were seeing, you know, sporting events stopped literally almost mid-competition, uh, like the Big East tournament was, the basketball tournament was at uh, one of the last college basketball events. But, you know, when something like, like that goes down, the concern, I'm sure, at one of your USCA events um, and we've heard, you know, possibly there could be more people that have, have tested positive. You know, where did that, where did your immediate thoughts go? I mean, obviously it was transparent, but you know, oh boy, let's hope there's not more. Well, look, I mean, I think you, when you get more information, um, it helps, it helps either form decision-making or, or not being very good. If you're not looking in the mirror. Look, would we do things differently? Yeah, I guess I'd have to say that. You, know, yeah. you think about the timing of it all. The event started, everyone was in the room together competing well before these cancellations started happening. Even when I was on the plane going there mm-hmm. on Thursday, that was when the first cancellations happened. Talked in the past where I'm a Pac-12 um, basketball guy, and, yep. and they competed on the Wednesday night. On the Thursday when I was in the air is when the cancellation happened there. Yep. And really, the guidance at that point was around no large-scale events. So I'm I'm en route from the airport to Potomac, and that's when the uh, Maryland governor came out and said no groups larger. We were, we were at 100 people. And so I was like, look, we're doing the right thing. We're sanitizing everything. We're, we're being respectful and thoughtful on what the policies are. And, um, and as it turns out, maybe we should have, maybe we should have canceled it um, at that point. But yeah, but it's, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a challenging thing to go through. You, uh, I think you always have to be willing to learn and willing to see if you can do things differently. And so we'll, we'll always continue to be transparent though. And, uh, keep keep all of our fans, athletes, friends uh, top of mind. All right, I know we got to let you go pretty soon, but uh, the cancellation worlds. I I know it's a gut punch to the athletes. You know, Team USA, uh, Team Peterson, Team Schuster. What did you say to to both the teams? You know, when you obviously find out um, the situation and communicate, um, you know, that a dream is ripped away, the chance to go compete for a world championship. You know, what did you say to them? What What did they say to you? Well, to be honest, at the time, um, at least on the men's side, first it was less about the dream being ripped away. It sure. was, it was the real anxiety about going. Right, there was a lot of nervousness about traveling with all of those going on in Europe. So I think there was a lot of relief. Yeah. Um, at first, and now you know, now it's, you know, we'll see if it gets rescheduled or not. But but once it's finalized, and if it is canceled. Yeah, that, it's hard to deal with that, and you just have to be appreciative of what you've achieved and, and put your all of your energy towards twenty one. You know, the women's side was completely different. You know, yep. our, our team traveled; right. um, they were there already, yep. um, as was everyone else, and so they actually wanted to compete. And so that that was um, to have to travel back through multiple legs and all day travel and all of the challenges with traveling at that time. Um, that that was a that was not a great trip for them and so i felt really bad for them but they've just as the the way they've competed you know that team you know team peterson pretty pretty much put their head down and get things done so they yeah. uh I'm, i feel you know that's my hardest thing for them is competitively i think they were really in a good place to 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 perform really well all right, continue with Jeff Plus, the new, not so much new anymore, but I guess still new, uh, you know, month and a half, month, uh, month and a half, almost two months on the job, Jeff, is, you know, we're, the cancellation of, of the men's and women's world, so what we're talking about, um, clearly, you know, disappointment, I think you mentioned certainly maybe more relief uh, in the sense from, from Team Schuster and, you know, the fact they wouldn't have to self-quarantine for 14 days coming back and, you know, the travel over and back, but, you know, 
Is there any sentiment at all? There's so many unknowns. We don't know where this is going to go, how long it's going to last. It, you know, I've been ta- talking with the WCF. Any chance of maybe trying to play the world championships, whether it be simultaneously at the same time or you know, make them up this fall at, at some point before the new season gets going? You know, look, it's, it's just tough to say. There's so much unknown, as, as you mentioned, um, You'd like to think that we could do a fall event, but the reality is when would you even schedule it, not knowing if it's going to be um, giving the all clear to participate anyway. And so it's, it's really challenging time frame. Um, and, you know, at some point the fall schedule gets compressed with other events going on and, and the tour. And um, it's just trying to, to do the right thing for all the potential stakeholders um, in, in a time frame, but, you know, in, the, in a situation that is unprecedented. We hear that word being used about, I guess, this is the most accurate usage of that word in a long time. Um, and just trying to figure out what the best pathway is forward. I mean, the good news is we've got, we got people that are healthy and secure and safe. And um, there's going to be brighter days ahead to just trying to think positive and figure out what the future looks like day by day. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, this week uh, communicated that um, clearly the Olympics are being postponed. They're not going to be held this summer. But when you, you hear athletes, and I read you know, a survey that the athletes had kind of overwhelmingly you know, said that we don't feel comfortable going in that environment. I believe it was maybe uh, two out of every three. You know, but what, what's being communicated with you, you know, in terms of we're not clearly a summer sport, but you know, what, is, you know, what, what have you heard? What's being communicated with you? Are there any possible impacts on, say, the 2022 Winter Games you know, being compressed together where they're, they're, you don't have the gap between you know, Winter and Summer Games? You're basically going back-to-back. Well, look, I think the reality is that is what's going to happen. You'll see 21, you know, again, knocking on wood and hoping that everything comes back to normal mm-hmm. sooner rather than later. But you're going to have um, summer 2021, and then you're going to turn around and have have um, Beijing happen approximately you know, eight months later, seven months later. Um, but from an operational point of view, it's only going to be about, gosh, maybe four months after the Tokyo Paralympics. So. Yeah. It'll, it'll be um, a short time frame for those that are headquartered at the USFEC. Um, to their full credit, the, the level of communication with them has been fantastic. Virtually daily updates. The information is, as you can imagine, is really ambiguous because they don't know either. And it's just, um, it's really tough. I mean, I think the best way to frame it, if you, if you read any of the trades today, mm-hmm. you know, there's 20 USOPC sponsors whose deals expired or it's set to expire at the end of 2020, 12, 31, 2020. Yep. Never contemplated what a major assets they sponsored would not happen in that time frame. So you got to have a bunch of complicated, complex conversations with partners, with broadcasters, with venues, the physical venues, not just the city. Um, and so there's just so much unknown. So it's, I think they've asked for, and they deserve our patience. Um, and I will ask the same of our group. And I think everyone understands it and, and can be pretty reasonable. And we'll just have to um, take it day by day. But will there be some downstream effect on the winter sports? I think there has to be, if we're being honest. I think, look, you can't take billions of dollars out of the Olympic ecosystem and not have some impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we do it the right way? And how do we understand that when you're done, the Olympic movement will still be very, very important to people all around the world will be very strong and we're going to be fine. It's just going to take some, um, some deep breaths and just kind of work through it and understand that everyone's got great intentions to do the right thing. All right, Jeff is, uh, coming up on two months. Uh, it's the head of, uh, USA curling at, uh, the USCA is new uh, CEO. You know, what are, um, you know, when you look back and, you know, you look forward, not so much even looking back on the first, you know, two, almost two months, but, you know, looking forward, I know we talked uh, on the TSN broadcast during, uh, during nationals, you know, what are some things that you're looking for, your focus is, um, you know, that you're zeroing in on? I know an HP director is something you, you talk, we talked about uh, at the fifth in break uh, during the broadcast at one point. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are probably a lot of other things that have, have cropped up at least since then, but, you know, what are some of the things that you're focused on, you know, moving forward here and putting one foot in front of the other in the, the coming weeks, uh, the coming months? Yeah, look, I think broadly speaking, you, you kind of think about it in two different verticals. There's the, 
there's the performance side of the of the business and the and the governing body, uh, and then there's the commercial side. And so, um, on the performance side, we are looking for a new leader in that role. Importantly, it, it's no longer called high performance director. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that was too narrow, frankly. So okay. it's now it's now going to be the managing director of sports performance and development. They're going to take a holistic approach for everything sport related. Obviously, the teams that qualify for the Olympics, but including Terra, including grassroots and juniors, um, and just the sport generally, realizing that we have a lot of opportunity to give value back to any number of people that they're playing and can be at the highest level if they're coming into our sport for the first time. And so I'm excited about a much more holistic approach on that side of things. Um, and then on the commercial side, we have to look for ways to drive more revenue and build our story and tell our story better, build our brands, our athlete brands mm-hmm. across um, across the totality of our of our governing body. And um, we need to drive more uh, partners and more revenue into the business, um, only so that we can then reallocate those dollars into areas we want to continue to grow. Um, and and I think the exciting news is that there's. There's no lack of potential athletes that can be within our pyramid. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sport is a sport that, as you know, you can play from when you're very young to very old, and that's something that makes it special. So we should uh, embrace that and look for ways to grow that across the spectrum. Um, and so I'm excited about all of those things, and, and that work is continuing. It's been derailed a little bit with what's going on, and, mm-hmm. and we have to spend a lot of time thinking about more what-if type scenarios that are less fun to talk about but um but we'll we'll come out of this stronger and uh, well positioned for the future all right last question before we let you go jeff but you know the um the chance to talk to a lot of stakeholders athletes coaches you know clearly board members that you've interacted with through the process and coming on board and everything uh fans parents you know everybody that's that's involved with the sport at at some level what's you know what's maybe some of the overarching things that you've heard you know from uh, athletes, you know, the different stakeholders that make up, you know, the, the body of, of USA curling that they want to see change. They want to see, you know, attention to, you know, maybe the overarching themes that you, you just kind of taken in and digested that you've heard from so many people. Well, I, I think what's been really fun is, is the one kind of baseline is that, um, the passion for the sport, the commitment to each other, the belief and value that they see in the traditions of the sport. Uh, and those are all things that I think are really exciting to build from. Um, but pretty much universally, people are excited about the opportunity to look at things a different way and look at change and, mm-hmm. and look at more innovation and more, um, more of an effort to build the sport. Yeah, again, I, I hate to always use business terms, but that mm-hmm. is, that is the world I come from and, and looking for ways that we can build uh, and create new assets that we can um, generate revenue from and generate strength of brand from and just connect with more people, engage with people on a more um, often basis. And so I think uh, everyone's really excited about the future. Uh, and I think there's there's no lack of people who will want to align with our organization, you know, on most years. And then you always have the opportunity to wrap yourself in the flag on the Olympic years. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Well, Jeff, it's been awesome to, uh, to catch up a little bit more today. I know uh, two months on the job, you, you've had plenty of time to uh, to learn the difference between an intern and an outturn uh, draw. But uh, look, thanks so much for, for the time and especially the leadership and, and what is a turbulent time for, for not just USA Curling, but for everybody uh, here at home in North America and around the world. Well, thank you. And, and I, um, I'm not even at two months yet, Price. So who knows? I'm sure there's more I'll learn about the uh, <laughs> the relevant terminology and, and strategy in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it is. It's a turbulent time. It's a time to to keep priorities um, in the proper order and perspective, and and stay healthy and safe, and uh, think about our colleagues and friends, and making sure you're doing everything you can to get us through this point. And We'll all be back on the ice soon enough, um, and we'll be better off uh, for doing the right thing now. Jeff, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Price. Take care. Thanks for all you do. There you have it, Jeff Plush, the new CEO of USA Curling. Appreciate his time and the conversation there is, you know, again, certainly a lot of unknowns that uh, our sport and many, many others face moving forward with cancellations of, of championships, of seasons, there's just so much that we don't know that we want answers to 
and that only time will tell. And that is just obviously the one of the biggest frustrations is that there's just too many unknowns at this point on where we sit at this particular exact day and time. But again, we will move forward. We will get passes. But we will get past this segment and into the final one with the Godfather himself. Joe Calabrese coming right back with me here on the Extraction Podcast with the 12th Men Sports Network. Appreciate Jeff Plus, the new CEO of USA Curling, joining us there in the last segment. Certainly a, uh, a an eventful couple months on the job for Jeff. Uh, Joe, we had you know r- great time and really thankful uh, time as much as anything to to get to know Jeff a little bit while we were in Cheney and in Spokane for nationals last month. It feels like eons ago, but you know getting to have the chance to to meet uh, Jeff and and spend some time around him with him talking with him, uh, trying to, you know, figure out what, what his priorities are going forward. You know, I think that was beneficial uh, to all of us, at least on, on this side of things and what we do. And I know he'll be interfacing a lot more with membership and members of the USCA moving forward. But, um, you know, really enjoyed that time and thankful that we, we got to catch up for the first time here on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, what a tough job he has now in the world in the world that we're in right now. I mean, the Tokyo games get delayed by a year, right? So a lot of advertising budgets probably get shifted a bit. Um, how how does that going to affect what's going on with with winter sports? I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm sure, you know, like we talked about unprecedented. This is unprecedented time for that as well. Um, you know, and he's just getting his feet wet in the game, too. So. Uh, real exciting time, but also, you know, it, it's a little uncertain it, as of yet. And then in this time, it's going to be tough to kind of um, set out a plan until you sort of know when you're going to be able to get back on the ice. Um, and, and we just don't know that yet. Yeah, we, we, we don't know that. And they're just there. That's why, you know, in trying in, in wanting to you know get some answers, you know, if, if he had any, um, that he would be willing to share about, you know, especially the world championships coming up, uh, you know, whether there might be a, an opportunity to play them in the fall, you know, because, I mean, I'm, I'm reading stories now, you know, where people don't get serious. I mean, college football, the NFL, you know, the, the start of the season is in is in real peril, you know, for those, uh, you know, fall sports. And so if we're going to talk about, you know, we've obviously canceled the rest of, of this curling season, you know, and, and we're hoping you know, in a lot of ways, it that there is going to be an opportunity, a window to play men's and women's worlds. Uh, you know, sometime early in the fall, that may not even be an option, Joe, because you know, again, the the here and now is we just don't know, and that's uncertainty is is really the name of the game right now. There are just so many unknowns. Yeah, I mean, and I was listening to um, the Rocks Across the Pond podcast, and they talked a little bit about this. I mean, what happens to those points that would have been accumulated at the World Championships? How do they? How do they figure that out? And I, I mean, so I think you got to believe that they want to try to do everything they possibly can to try to hold those events. Exactly. Um, they've got sponsors who've committed to them. They have points on the line. Um, but honestly, if this drags out too much further into the fall, I mean, they're they're running into events that are already scheduled for the fall. So um, it, it's definitely going to be tough. And but I also think that you know probably within the next couple months they're going to have to start making some hard decisions as to how they're going to deal with it. Yeah, I don't think we're at that point yet in terms of, okay, now we got to really decide, you know. And I think the Olympics, honestly, uh, was trying to do the same thing. I I don't think that they felt that they were up against the gun, right? But their hand, no doubt about it, was forced. Their hand was forced by... You know, Canada and, and Australia, uh, and, and I think Brazil. I mean, there were several other nations, but Canada obviously led the way, followed pretty shortly behind by Australia. They basically said, we're not sending our athletes. And, and then when that, that started happening, those dominoes started falling. Uh, the IOC's hands were tied. I mean, they, they, they were basically, the decision was made for them. And I think the WCF, I think, is, is still in more of where the IOC was before, you know, the individual federations came out and basically said, we're not going. I think they like to take as much time as they can. But it, then again, if you're going to try and find a venue, let's just hypothetically say, I mean, let's, let's just utterly hypothetically say you want to try and play this maybe the last week of August, okay? I don't know how realistic right. that is. Maybe it sounds absolutely insane to some people. Maybe some people say, oh, you're daggum right. we got plenty of time to get ready for that. Well, you know, you got to find venues. Where are you going to do it? You know, I, I thought and I will continue to think that if, if you're going to hold a men's and women's world, 
I think that, in my opinion, you want to do it uh, simultaneously playing both events at the same time. Does it take away from, you know, one and the other? Yeah, but, you know, time is not on our side here, especially when you've got another new season that's getting ready to start. So I don't know, but I, that's just, you know, a hypothetical. If you were going to try and play it in late August, you got to find a place to do it. And then again, you got to get, you know, equipment. you got to do tickets. you you got to do all the other little tiny things, and, they, and, they, and they're not little things, but, you know, in this case, they, they are smaller. You know, you got to just more find where yeah. you're going to do it, a city that's willing to do it. I mean, there's just so many things, and trying to do that in maybe a four-month time period is really ludicrous when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I think they, the WCF has a couple advantages that the Olympics did not have. The mm-hmm. Olympics had not qualified all their athletes yet. Sure, so, sure. Um, they were they were looking at well we don't even know when we're going to be able to qualify athletes yeah um and, and the good news is for these world championships at least for the men's and women's these were all determined already yeah so now we know who has to go the question is can we find a place that's going to be willing to do it can we sell tickets for it can we do all the media that we need to do um i, I tend to agree with you that it sort of makes sense to do this all at once if you can um that definitely changes the way TSN thinks about this, I'm sure, in Curl Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think you may just have to do it that way. And um, I guess we'll see. But, you know, it, it's I think the WCF can wait a couple months before they have to make a final determination. But I'm sure that they're scrambling right now to try to find a venue that might be willing to do this. Yeah, there, there's going to be things moving forward into the fall, like running a Kentucky Derby in September, you know, uh, or playing a um, playing a what is it a French Open tennis tournament after the U.S. Open. Look, there's going to be some optics. There's going to be some things that are so abnormal, especially in the sports world. I look. I'm preparing myself kind of mentally. I mean, as much as I can, thinking about it. There's going to be so many things that are going to be hundred percent unideal when it comes to what we're used to, but you're going to have to make a lot of exceptions, changes, exceptions to the rule, however you want to put it. There's just going to have to be a lot of things that change and that are going to be done different, especially if you want to hold some of these events, you know, that, that were scheduled to be held. And, you know, at least right now there is no, you know, they're, they're postponed. They're not canceled. A lot of them are are postponed. And, you know, I, I guess one of the things I, I think about is it's just simply the athletes, you know, the athletes who earn the right to represent their country. And, you know, like a Carrie Anderson's rink from Canada, uh, Tab Peterson uh, in her rink, um, you know, some of the others that might be getting this opportunity for one of the first times ever or for the first time in maybe a long time, you know, to wear their country's flag on their chest, on their back, on their arm, you know, and compete, you know, as, as the representative, of, uh, you know, of Team Italy, of Team Scotland, of Team, you know, I think of Bruce Mallett and, and the boys, you know, getting the chance to play in Glasgow, the World Championship in their hometown. I mean, that will never happen for them probably again, maybe, but likely not. And so you know, I think about the athletes and wanting to still, I hope they will still be given the chance to compete at a at a World Championship in some capacity whether it be at the very start of next season or, you know, you know, once the season gets underway, that something can be implemented where, where they're still given that chance. Yeah, I certainly hope that that's the case. And, you know, and Price, as sad as we are right now for, for this postponement yeah. and for all the cancellations and things that are, are getting pushed to the fall, as a sports fan, think about what's going to be going on in the fall if this all breaks the way it's supposed to, right? Yep. And we and we're out of this this uh, COVID nineteen fog that we're in right now. You're talking about like the Kentucky Derby and the Masters and and like back to back majors in tennis and like uh, NFL, college football, all these things happening at the same time. Let's throw the world championships of curling on top of that. I don't think I'll leave my couch for months. Like that's, this is insane. I'm, I'm really, to be honest with you, that's probably the only thing I can look forward to right now. And I'm sort of hoping it all breaks that way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I've thought about that a couple times and just like, wow, is there any really way for that, for that to happen? You know, it's, it's yeah, just it's sheer, sheer sports insanity, but sign me up, Joe. I, I hate how we arrived at that point. We all would hate you know, certainly hate uh, what we're going through to arrive at that point. But like you said, if we're looking for any flicker of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, that's it. I guess my big thing is I, I just hope that, that when we get to, say, post-Labor Day, that we're, 
we're we've got this fairly you know we're you know in in our backs in the rearview mirror so to speak i i hope it's i hope it's gone that some there's something in me that tells me that this is this stuff's going to come back around for a second bite of the apple but you know what what do i know um you know joe local clubs you know the cancellation we we talk about this in more of a high performance level here in the last few minutes but cancellation the olympics world championships but you know what effect do you think this is going to have on local curling clubs? I know what the you know your club, the Rochester Curling Club, you kind of a last hurrah. People throwing rocks out there. You you had a you know a big event you're working on. You know what do you think this does for for clubs you know like yours in in Rochester? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think that anybody who had sort of a full season under almost a full season under their belt understands there really wasn't much of a choice at, at the point that which almost everybody canceled their seasons. Uh, it seemed like almost simultaneously. Yeah. Um, you know, it certainly hurt our, our end of year fundraising currently in the gathering event. We had to cancel that. Um, but I am, I am really proud to say that the participants in that, um, I would say over half of them <clears throat> donated the registration fees back to the charity. So mm-hmm. we're looking to still provide a pretty healthy check to the pancreatic cancer association of Western New York. We're really excited about that. Um, but yeah, you know, things like, you know, playoffs in our club got canceled. We were looking forward to that as a team that had qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Uh, uh, somebody who, um, you know, had had a full season, they're probably not so worried about the idea that they didn't have to throw rocks the last two weeks of the season. Um, but I worry about clubs maybe like Pittsburgh, who just got started on their dedicated ice, and they have payments that they have to make. And um, yeah their season got cut short. Um, they were, they were going to run for quite a while. And so, you know, if you've got a couple uh, dimes that you can put together, maybe send them a quick donation because they could probably use it. Yeah. I, I hope that, and I don't think it will, but I, I just hope that, um, you know, numbers, especially with membership at, at local clubs that, you know, so much of those dues paying members that, that revenue stream, you know, that doesn't take a, a massive severe hit and, in you know people not coming back maybe to their club but you know not so much even that it's also recruiting new members to the sport because you know as we know it you know there's there's still learn to curls that clubs have all the time that is a you know is a lifeblood in terms of bringing new blood into a club and you know, I, I, I that's one of my big things that I hope is that that the clubs just don't get hit hard you know with membership and stuff like that uh, moving forward, I so much. I mean, time will tell, you know. But everybody, you know, with the USCA's, you know, guidelines and rules they set forth, that were they basically told, right? Clubs that they they had to shut most activities, right? I think it was most of it was directed, if not all, from the USCA, right, Joe? Well, I mean, it, there was a lot of directive, particularly once you know the club national stuff was going on that. It, it, the writing was on the wall and they had put out some guidance about what they thought people ought to do. I don't think that they were forcing anybody to close, but I think it just made sense at that point. Almost everybody had closed down. Um, I had actually uh, had hold down to hope that I was going to be playing an event in Detroit in May. That one got canceled last week, mm. um, which, you know, it, that's the way it goes. I mean, people are going to have to understand what I would say though, is that clubs have to be, and uh, when this fog lifts and we're able to get out and do life again, that's when we got to put out those registrations for Learner Curls again and make sure that we contact all those people who had been signed up and get them back into the club first thing you can in the fall. And maybe we have to change our schedules around a little bit yeah. at a local curling club to make that happen. But um, it, people are going to be itching for something to do, Price. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My wife and I were joking about that last night. She said, can you imagine how many people are going to be, you know, Sky Zone, you know, with their kids is going to be like, pat. Right. I mean, you're not going to be able to get in the parking lot, and, you know, a Chuck E. Cheese. But, you know, you go, you know, with golf courses. Yeah, you just, just, just pick the two places I would never send kids right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exa- well, and there's a reason <laughs> why. Yeah, they're, right. The yeah. two places my kids want to go most right now are those two places, right. and we exactly. Don't, you know, so. But yeah. you know, before we let you go, yeah, uh, I want to ask you about uh, nationals, man. We had a great week in in Cheney and um, in Spokane. The numbers that the web stream. I know you want to thank all the viewers and everybody that tuned in, but uh, give everybody just some uh, good news a bite of the apple on just how great the the viewership and the numbers were this year. Yeah, the numbers were terrific. I mean, everybody tuned in. I mean, we had some spectacular nighttime games. We had a showdown between Dropkin and Schuster, another one between Sinclair and Peterson that just were, the numbers were spectacular. 
um, we did 60% better than we did two years ago, um, which would have, is a really good comparison because the time zones were very similar. Mm-hmm. When we're out on the West Coast and those, those late night games, um, East Coast viewers may not want to stay up till one o'clock in the morning to watch the end of those, those games. Um, and so our numbers drop off a little bit. But man, it, it was up last year, but it was 60% up from two years ago. So like, I, I'm super excited. I want to thank everybody who tuned in and uh, folks who are, are really loyal and they love what we're able to accomplish. And, you know, what, you know, people like you and, and Sean bring to the broadcast as well. So um, thank you. And I uh, hope to do it again soon. Yeah, that's awesome. Just fantastic numbers and, you know, continuing to, uh, to grow the game, which is uh, what it's all about. And, and certainly reach more people. But uh, Joe, I'd be remiss on the way out the door. I definitely want to thank Jeff Plush, our, our guest, the the new uh, CEO with USA Curling. Just really, again, appreciate his time for joining us this week and the first conversation on the podcast. But, you know, as I sit here in my Atlanta Braves baseball hat, Joe, opening day scheduled for today. Uh, baseball fans like myself, I, I, I know you're not, uh, you're more of the uh, oblong ball fan versus the baseball fan. But, you know, bummed that we're not having an opening day. I'll be even more excited when we do get an opening day at some point later in the uh, summer or, or the fall, if and when. Uh, but your uh, your Buffalo Bills, uh, the NFL season, hopefully that will start on time. But how much are you breathing a sigh of relief that Tom Brady is no longer a New, Le- New England Patriot? What a beautiful day for sports. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was the worst one of the worst days in the in the universe for sports, but one of the best days for a Buffalo Bills fan. I mean. Stefan Diggs comes to the Bills via trade with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I, Rich Ronan and uh, uh, Specs were, were, were talking some trash with me back and forth about that trade and how much we had to give up for him. But, man, he's a game-breaking wide receiver, and I'm excited to have him on our team. And, and then Tom Brady makes the decision to go to Tampa Bay. I mean, it's like Christmas every day in western New York right now. There's optimism that you would not believe now. All we need to do now is not have a virus that last into the fall. <laughs> so um, I, I really feel confident about our team's chances, um, and uh, I'm really excited um, for for the NFL in general because I think um, breaking up Brady and Belichick was probably good for the whole league. Um, you know, can you imagine? Um, you know, the the types of I mean, Tampa Bay is going to have to get some primetime games, right? And uh, Belichick, even if, if if he does great or if he falls, he's going to be great drama all year. So hmm. I'm excited about the NFL season in general, um, but for the Bills specifically, because I think they're going to have a great year. Cam Newton has departed the premises, and I, I'm still not sure how I feel about it. I think it was probably time to start a new page uh, in Carolina. But, uh, you know, sometimes – He's probably two weeks to get – probably just two weeks away from getting a contract offer from the bills that's the way i figure it. <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised we take all the cast offs from the panthers so i mean it's it wouldn't surprise me at all yeah all right joe look thanks so much for for joining us happy birthday to lorelei i hope you guys have a a, a fun time this afternoon tonight uh celebrating her in, in just such an unusual time uh just on the way out the door I want to thank you know, all the first responders uh including doctors the nurses um, you know, people that are putting themselves in, in harm's way with with this vi- with this deadly virus that are that are you know serving the public, that are serving people that that need it, that are sick, that are that are you know suffering right now. Um, so if you're one of those, if if you're listening, you got a family member, uh, thank them, uh, not for us, but but just thank them uh, for what they're doing because you know our uh, our personnel right now when it comes to uh, medical and the health profession is just stretched so thin, uh, depending on where you are, and um, it's going to continue that way for for a while. But you know, just a huge shout out to them, and and also I want to say this too, a huge shout out to any teachers out there because trying to homeschool my kids right now, my wife and I trying to work full time, but also teach them i know y'all are in the same boat joe so many other families and moms and dads and and friends right now listening uh right now are are doing the same thing trying to you know keep keep the kids afloat you know scholastically and with academics at home uh boy i tell you one thing i learned this week that uh last week the elementary school teachers school teachers in general they should be paid at least a million a year because it is a hard job Absolutely. I, I also want to thank folks like Tiffany Pugh from the Rochester Curling Club who are making medical masks at home, wow. um, donating them at businesses that are ma- are doing something similar. Uh, we had a, a an alcohol company here in town change over to uh, hand sanitizer. Uh, and you might have heard that. Uh, the president mentioned yep. about a zillion times. Never mentioned Rochester, but mentioned this company. Um, so at any rate, uh, you know, thank you all these people who are pitching in. Um, that didn't have to, but have figured out a way to try to contribute. 
um, you know, it, they're heroes too. Um, and Price, you know, I, before we get out the door, just want to make sure you stay safe yourself. Uh, stay inside. You know, don't take on any necessary risks. We need you back on the on the on the webcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You guys do the same thing, and, and not not saying this in any joking manner. Look, I want you, uh, your family, everybody, uh, to be safe uh, and healthy out there. Make smart choices. Make the, make the right choice. Stay home. Um, you know, limit interaction as much as anybody possibly can right now. You know, we all want to support, you know, small local businesses. I know Specs and, you know, the Wick and, and Duluth there, you know, they're having a hard time, just like so many, you know, small businesses, especially like in the restaurant and, you know, industry. And But, you know, support what you can, do what you can. Uh, we all want to help uh, those in our local community. We're going to continue to do so. Just, you know, let's just all, we got to get through this together. Uh, this is where we all put our arms around each other, and we will get through this together, Joe. But, uh, we'll get out of here. Just thanks again to everybody for listening. Apple Podcast. Uh, go to tesn.us forward slash podcast. You, you can listen to this episode, every episode, going back for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. But until next week, we will do it again. For Joe Calabrese, I'm Price Atkinson. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll talk to you next Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. Whether you're moving in together for the first time, this can be your closet, or you're a new parent to a little fur baby, Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.